Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Backseat GM podcast. I'm your host, Ben Rauman, and today we have a special guest joining us. Uh, he's known for his controversial food opinions, um, while also being a writer-podcaster over at Premium Hoops and Indie Cornrows, and uh, Fear the Sword, too. Is that right, Mark? Uh, Mark Schindler. Yeah, so I, yeah, I just picked up Fear the Sword um, for this season. I'm, I'm really psyched to do some stuff covering the Cavs now. Um, yeah, kind of a little bit of everything everywhere. I'm doing some freelance stuff as well, but yeah, man, things are good. How are things on your end, Ben? Good, good. Um, just uh, recorded a podcast yesterday with Ty Windish, uh, which was nice. pretty fun. Uh, just kind of talking about uh, some awards predictions for the season, talked about MVP and uh, Defense Player of the Year, all those. So th- that was fun. Uh, how have been things on your end recently? Uh, they've been good. I'm, I'm simultaneously ready and not ready for the season to start. It's just about here. Quick um, turnaround. Relatively, uh, um, you know, kind of disengaged from preseason basketball. Like mm-hmm. I've been reading it, everything and keeping up with, you know, for the, I mean, for the teams that I um, specifically write for. Um, I mean, I write for like the whole NBA, but in, team, in terms of like looking at Indy Cornrows and through the story, I've been keeping up with everything for, for their preseasons and watching the games. But I've mostly like tried to unplug from preseason basketball because I don't want to overextend myself like, yeah. you know, ASAP. But I'm very ready to to just jump in and start watching League Pass like crazy because it's probably my, my favorite time of year is, you know, the first month or two of the season when you're starting to get a really good feel for for every team because there's just so much different. Um, but yeah, man, I'm. I'm very excited for this season. It's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's been a quick turnaround. It's kind of crazy. The NBA in the last 12 to 14 months has had two titles. And, uh, like, with the shortened season and the bubble and everything, it's it's been a lot. A lot. It was it was nice to decompress for a couple months there and not have to uh, be so in the weeds of it anymore, I'm sure. But, um yeah, so for this episode, we're going to talk about uh, some brief NBA offseason uh, things, maybe do some uh, Pacers talk, and then uh, some predictions for the season. Uh, so it should be pretty fun. But first, let's go to our Kevin McHale part of the show where we talk about a beer that we've picked and popped recently, Crafty Hops with Sneaky Athleticism. Uh, Mark, uh, do you have a beer that you uh, want to talk about yeah so it's actually one of my favorite beers of all time uh, that only comes out for a very short limited amount of time one of the great privileges of living in Cleveland Ohio was having a, a close supply of Great Lakes uh, breweries brewery beers by me um, and Nosferatu is their red ale that normally comes out right around now they've rebranded it as an IPA uh, so I haven't had it yet this this go around but um, so I, I'm, it's more of a teaser more than anything else. They're saying that they haven't really changed uh, anything with it. So I, I'm not really understanding why they rebranded it as an IPA because I never found weird. it particularly hoppy. It was always like, I mean, it's definitely a little bit more bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like 8%, I think 70 IBUs. Um, but it's good, man. Like it is, it's so good. It's a great, like, it's definitely more like, it, I look at it almost like Guinness. Like you have like one of it and you're pretty good. because It's a little bit heavy. Um, but it's fantastic, and I, I, I implore anybody to get their hands on it if you can, because it's really only out in the stores for about a month and a half, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been trying to get myself uh, trying to get myself in the seasonal beer mood, you know, these last couple months. I think September was when they started really releasing a bunch of the Oktoberfests and some of the pumpkin beers and, and some of those just fall flavors. Yeah. Uh, Great Lakes is, is goaded, though. They're, mm-hmm. uh, they got some good stuff. I will be talking about uh, one such seasonal beer. Um, have you ever heard of Flying Dog Brewery, Mark? I have. Flying Dog, it uh, it has a lot of really good beers. I, I have really, haven't really had one that I disliked that I've tried from them, but The Fear is a pumpkin yam beer that they have. It's about 9%, uh, and it's a... Uh, it's kind of like a almost like a stout 
a little bit. Uh, they hmm. it's technically called a pumpkin slash yam beer. That's the style, but um, it's like super uh, kind of rich and it's not super heavy on the pumpkin because like sometimes when you have a pumpkin beer, I don't know if you ever had one of those before, but it's like almost yeah. a little bit too sweet, like a little bit too artificial tasting. This is like mm. a nice deep, like spicy flavor. Um, really complemented well with like some chocolatey notes. Uh, very tasty. I, I think I gave it like a 4.5 out of 5 rating on Untapped. Do you use Untapped? Uh, I should get it. I honestly just, I, I'm a, I'm a massive lightweight, so I do not drink very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but you know, normally I, uh, my, it's, it's especially considering that, it, that, that we're talking about craft beer. It, my, my go-to is normally just a Molson. <laughs> I love, I love Molson because it's just nice. quick and consistent. That's right. Um, but I should get untapped because I used to work at a bar and, uh, I, I mean, my Thursdays, my manager would set up all of our, uh, um, suppliers would come in on Thursdays. So we, you know, like meet with like 13 or 14 beer reps in one day. And I helped this kind of like the assistant bar manager and, um, choosing stuff and, uh, you know, finding what was good. And so, yeah, one my, my Thursday for about a, a year and a half was getting slightly roasted, uh, <laughs> testing out every, every great beer that was out there. Um, some of them not great, but yeah, I, I need to get untapped nonetheless. That's a great, that sounds like a great job. A great way to get it. It was a very great beer. job. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> um, Let's get into some NBA offseason stuff briefly before we dive into the Pacers a little bit more. Um, so it's been a very short offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. The title ended in August, but we've got uh, quite a bit of things that have happened. Uh, kind of some drama between uh, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving, both uh, maybe not wanting to play for their respective teams. Uh which one of those guys do you think do you think both of them are going to end up getting traded or do you think one of them is more likely than the other at some point? I think that Ben Simmons is way more likely to get traded than Kyrie Irving, but uh, I wonder how many how many games each of them will play for their current respective teams before something happens. Wow, um, that's a good question. I don't entirely know what to make of the Kyrie situation um, in a lot of ways. Like I think just in general with with Kyrie like that to me you know I don't I don't care if this upsets anybody it's not a personal decision like this affects other people and more importantly it's just like I, I don't a lot of what's come out with this like just just to preface like uh I think Kyrie has done a lot of really good things um and unfortunately this overshadows a lot of that because it's been kind of uh just saying a distraction sounds unfair but I do think we're kind of at that point where it's just like, this is, I'm not really understanding why we have to make such a big deal out of this. Uh, more like, like I understand, I understand being frustrated with Kyrie, but more like it just, I, 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 I don't understand why this is being, I don't want to say like allowed to go on for so long is the wrong way to put it, but more like, I just don't really think that this needs to be the headline it is you know there are it's the over first 90... thing in, yeah it's the first thing in every media uh, exactly headline. like over 90 percent of all athletes in the nba are vaccinated and that number should be 100 i wish it was 100 but i just think that it's kind of doing the league a disservice and you know what i i don't like amplifying the messages that he's sending out there to be mm-hmm. completely frank I, I don't think that it needs to be shared even more it's clearly in my opinion pretty half-baked um and just not a lot of basis for it so i I don't really um i don't really approve of people who are live tweeting his you know what he's putting out on his ig live like right just no it's definitely him him. it's definitely gotten annoying (laughs) exactly if he wants to make this his personal decision then he can have his own personal ramifications from it Um, right so i don't know what to make out of him being traded I, i don't it, based on things that we've heard, it seems like it's more likely that he would um, like ret- retire than uh, than actually accept a trade, mm-hmm. uh, which is just an odd odd thing to consider. Right. Um. I yeah, man, I have no idea what to make of it. If if, if we're just being completely honest, I have no no clue what's going to go down with that. My guess is that he'll eventually get the vaccine at some point and and play, but. Also, like, I just don't know how long this can go on with the Nets without, like, 
very clearly fracturing part of the locker room. Like I think that that's something that can be in play for sure. Um, you know, you wonder that I don't know. There's always stuff with that, but it's just an odd situation. Um, with Ben though, I don't, I, I still don't think that he's going like, I, I think he might play a couple of games for the Sixers, but uh, just based on everything and how it's gone down. But I mean, similarly, I just don't see how he's going to be part of that team long-term uh, based on everything that's come out. Um, yeah. Again, like everything that's been publicly faced is, you know, how we want Ben back this and that. Like I, Philadelphia was very clearly trying to put out PR fires and make it seem like this was more on Ben than on the Sixers. And it's kind of a, a fracture from both sides, in my opinion. Um, I've talked about that pretty openly and uh, in depth. And I just think that uh, overall, like Ben's going to get traded, but I also think he'll, you know, that. so I, I just, I'm not entirely sure what that means with him playing for Philadelphia for a little bit, uh, but we'll see on that. This seems more like Daryl Morey has been trying uh, to drive I mean, up some trade value a little bit saying, Oh no. We'll yeah. We'll and it feels like in some ways it. they've really overplayed themselves um, with yeah. how it's gone down. But again, I'm not in the situation, so I don't get to know everything going on, but at the same time, just from the outside looking in, I think it's pretty clear that this has been festering for a while and they mm-hmm. should have made a split long before they, they got to this point, but alas, here we are now. So, yeah, it definitely seems like an untenable situation moving forward with just the way that Ben Simmons was almost immediately thrown under the bus by uh, Doc Rivers after that playoff series. And then Joel Embiid too, kind of just piling on, which is, you know, a Joel Embiid thing to do. He's kind of, he kind of isn't afraid to say what he, you know, what he thinks. Um, And I think almost everyone can agree that part of, there's definitely faults on both sides of this situation. Like Ben Simmons could have done some things better and the the Sixers certainly could have done some things better on their end. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I just don't think that there's any way that he finishes the season in a Sixers uniform at this point, especially with the way that even the Philadelphia home crowd just, shows disdain for him you know like there's definitely there's definitely a favorite of those two stars in uh in philly and i feel like ben simmons has just gotten tired of it at this point and i don't really blame him but at the same time you know he needs he certainly has faults that he needs to work on um i just where do you think the best fit for him would be moving forward like what what teams are like some trade destinations that you could see being beneficial. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of where I, I don't mind seeing him play, like um, it, it's tough because I actually think like he's, he's in a decent area already. Like, and, and it sounds it's far intuitive, but yeah, it's far from the worst situation he could be in. That's for sure. From a basketball standpoint. Exactly. Like I think, uh, you know, a lot has been made about how everything was, was catered towards Joel and while it is true, like Joel is, uh, it, it's hard because um, Ben was the number one overall pick. And I think he's one of the few number one overall picks we've ever seen who doesn't have the team built around them. But also, well, well everything's been built with the idea of Joel Max being their best player um, and the guy who's going to, to carry them to a title. A lot of other things have been done in order to uh, to account for Ben and his playing style and, mm-hmm. and how um, – you know, how the team looks around him. So I just, I think that, you know, there's, there's nuance to it, but going back, you know, in terms of looking at places that, that make sense. Um, one of the teams that I've really liked for him is Portland because I think he would be really good playing. I mean, it's of course, you know, anybody would look good playing off of Damian Lillard, but I think, you know, uh, the, the, the swap that always gets brung up, brought up, geez, I can't speak English. The swap that always gets brought up is CJ McCollum for, yep. for Ben Simmons. And, that's been played off a lot in terms of what that would, you know, the, the Sixers doing that. I think originally people just kind of stuck their nose up at that, but I still think that does do quite a bit for, for both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you bring in the fact that, that Portland has pretty openly wanted to run things back yeah. um, with the new core. Like I do think they made some really notable additions that, that are interesting to me. I still don't know if I see like a title, favorite or anything in there well, obviously not title favorite, but like real title contender i'm not sure um but you know everything that that the sixers have put out has made it seem like well you know we want damian lillard 
not CJ McCollum. And I just don't think that that Ben Simmons is enough to get you Damian Lillard, to be frank. Like, mm-hmm. I am, like, that one of sad. the main proponents of Ben Simmons is a much better NBA player than he gets credit for. Like, I think he's a top 25 player in the NBA. Um, obviously was, was borderline for defensive player of the year last year. Uh, and he does a lot more offensively than he gets credit for. But, um, I mean, Damian Lillard is uh, – just fantastic he's at what the second or third best point guard in the nba um top 10 player uh just like he would absolutely elevate philadelphia to 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 new heights but i think if i'm portland like unless damian lillard asks out in a trade like you're not doing that that doesn't make any sense um and also like if 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 dame does ask out i'm not sure that portland wants to make that trade um and a lot of people have pointed to, sorry, I'm going along here, but just, just for reasoning, uh, a lot of people have pointed to and said, well, you know, Neil Olshay and their entire MO has kind of been, you know, staying really consistently decent and being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. If Damian Lillard asks out, I'm pretty, this is, you know, I don't have a report or anything, but my inkling is that Neil Olshay will get canned immediately or, or pretty quickly thereafter. Um, you think. Yeah, it, it would it would stand to reason that he should be. I think he sh- he's kind of been longing for that for a while, but mm-hmm. um, you know you're hitting that now for sure. Uh, I, I mean, I uh, but yeah, on paper, like CJ for for Ben makes sense for both sides, uh, but you know I just don't think we're going to see it happen now. Um, yeah, I, don't I know do. If his trade value is high enough at this point, even if it should be. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that trading. See, it's weird. Their value—they've been linked together for so long, and yet their values have kind of like gone up and down. You know, since they've been linked so much that like there was times where it was like, "Wow, the Blazers wouldn't do that. They they wouldn't trade for Ben Simmons and swap CJ McCollum." And then other and other times it was like, "Wow, the Sixers would never do that. Look how well Ben Simmons is playing." So I don't know. It's it's definitely something that's been linked for a very long time. And I think that it would make both teams a lot better. It's just a matter of from an organizational perspective, how they view those players internally. And do they think that Ben Simmons is like too much of a diva or whatever? I mean, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but like, I think there's been a lot of negative publicity towards Ben that could definitely drive his trade value down outside of the basketball player that he is. So but I, I do really like that fit next to Damian Lillard. I mean, Ben Simmons hasn't really had a perimeter creator of that ilk ever, but, like, certainly since Jimmy Butler. Like, Jimmy Butler played really well for the Sixers. He never obviously had the jump shot that uh, Lillard does, uh, which would definitely help, I think, in uh, pick-and-roll type offense and stuff. I could definitely see um, Ben being a really – key cog and kind of shoring up that Portland defense quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the Blazers are a good fit. Yeah. Um, another shot I'll throw out too. Like I know we've seen Minnesota get mentioned, Sacramento get mentioned. Um, I really do like the idea of San Antonio. I'm, I'm not sure that, that they're really in play or it doesn't seem like they want to be in play in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what to make of how they view themselves. Um, but in terms of what Philadelphia could get back, again, you're not getting back an all-star. I don't think you are in any way, shape, or form, no matter how this shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, okay, say you get Derek White and, like, Doug McDermott and, uh, you know, picks or something like that. It doesn't sound sexy, but I think that solves a lot of problems that the Sixers have. Yeah. You get another movement shooter, McDermott, who's probably coming off the bench. And Derek White is capable of running offense. He's a, a, a borderline all defense guy. The big thing is just health for him, but it's, you know, either DeJounte Murray or uh, Derek White. I think you probably want Derek White mm-hmm. um, if you're Philadelphia, just based on, on what he brings. But I think just looking up and down San Antonio's roster, like if they want to elevate and have uh, a quote unquote guy who you can build around, which I, again, I don't know if that's how I necessarily would view Ben, um, but maybe they do. Maybe they think, okay, we hashtag, we can fix him. Like, you know, it's a, it's a rom-com or something and (laughs) you know, you never know how it's going to work out, but um, yeah, I think it it just kind of depends, but San Antonio is really interesting to me with that. Yeah, I'd agree. What, what about like the Hawks? I feel like the Hawks have a lot of pieces that they could throw 
at the Sixers and pique their interest. Like they have so many guys, it's almost like too many wings, guards that can pass, shoot, handle the ball. I feel like that would be kind of enticing for Philly if they offered up one of those type of guys. Like, I, I don't know. They got Bogdanovich, Herter, uh, Lou Williams, DeLon Wright. Um, I, I just feel like, um, well, they have Cam Reddish too. They have Danilo Gallinari. I feel like those are the type of guys that the Sixers have in the past kind of gone towards. Um, I don't know if that would necessarily be as high of a priority now that they would be sending Ben out, but Ben Simmons and Trey Young together sounds like a really fun duo as well. Yeah, no, I would absolutely love that. I am curious about uh, how they would view it, just because you like uh, you could think about some some very real spacing concerns that would happen in the playoffs. And again, I don't mean to look too far ahead, but like just given what they're coming off of, like they they right. want to make deep playoff runs. Okay, what does the spacing look like with with Capella. Ben Simmons and and Clint Capella? Um, mm-hmm. I think you know even if you're going a little bit farther ahead, if, when Onyeka Kongwu's back, like let's say maybe they do flip Clint Capella, which I don't think is on the books for a while still, but right. just hypothetically. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of questions there, but also in terms of elevating their their top end talent, like I kind of like it, but also, um, I I'm not sure Ben is the guy I swing on if I'm the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Like I think the guy that they would swing on is more of a veteran um, who's probably another scorer. Like at least that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I think that they have a ton of like what we saw last year. They have a lot of ancillary playmaking, like. Every guy except for Capella pretty much is a plus playmaker at their position. Other than I guess you could throw in John Collins too. Yeah. Um, but he did everything else for them that they really needed. But like you look at okay, Bogey, uh, Herder, um, DeAndre Hunter when he's back is a solid playmaker for his position. You know, De- Gallo is a, is a quality passer. A lot of guys who can move the ball and and find the next next player. I think they need somebody else who can take some of the scoring load. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you, you know, maybe you do sell out for Bradley Beal. I don't know if I like the idea of that backcourt defensively, but again, like you get the idea, like, right. um, you know, you swing on kind of that next guy who is um, asking out or, or whatever. Um, but I also don't hate the idea of going after Ben. Um, but I'm, I'm just their, like. Raises their top end talent, like you said, I would, I yeah. would say. And, you know, I don't think that, spacing is the end all be all i think oh yeah definitely not between the you know the four and five position like if you you just look at it like that sure that's kind of ugly but they have so many players that they can just mix and match interchange on the wings and they can all shoot the ball super well so I, i think there's definitely ways around that too yeah, no, definitely. For sure. It's not as arbitrary as it, as it gets made out to be. Like, I think, honestly, if you just add Ben Simmons to that team last year, um, mm-hmm. like, that team is is so much better. Um, which, again, the very nuanced analysis for me. But, like, I mean, that's probably, like, what, <laughs> like, six or seven win better team? It's got to be something like that. You know, their defense oh, would yeah. probably take a real notch up. And I don't think that their, their offense really suffers that much. Uh, just given, you know, how much talent you have, that makes a big difference. I wonder too, um, just what the Hawks think because given you know Travis Schlank has been here for the entire rebuild, um, you know he he did the teardown. He's been here to um, really well. I guess uh, I can't remember his last name right now, but Wes, whatever is what was his last name? Shit. Well, the GM before did part of the teardown. Uh-huh. The point being, like Travis Schlank's done the drafting. He's been here putting it together. I do wonder if I don't want to say overvalues his own guys, but. Um, I really think the what hinges on Atlanta and what move they make is how guys pop this year. Because I think you know what we saw from Kevin Hur- Kevin Herter in the in the bubble, not not bubble. Jesus, I am I apologize, but I'm all over the place today. You look at what Kevin Herter did in the playoffs. You look at I mean DeAndre Hunter, what he did for them throughout the 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 beginning of the regular season and looked absolutely fantastic. Like I'm interested to see how he comes back this year. They added really great talent in the draft again. Um, you're totally right, man. There's just so many ways that it could go, but I think it's just interesting to think, okay, well, who is um, the guy who, who gets out? And it seems in some ways like it'll be Kevin Herter and, and Cam Reddish, but you never know, man. It could be really interesting. Yeah, the Hawks are going to be a fun team to watch this year for sure. Um, let's kind of transition now from uh, from the Ben Simmons stuff to some Pacers talk. Um, the Pacers signed back when you know the Bucks 
head coaching slot was still up, up in the air in the beginning of the playoffs. The Bucks were kind of thirsting off of uh, Rick Carlisle, but he ended up going to the Pacers. That's quite the uh, the signing for Indiana. Um, what what are your thoughts about Carlisle so far as a coach? Uh, yeah, man, it's been really interesting. I uh, Obviously with Dallas, like I think Rick got kind of unfairly characterized, not in terms of things off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think there was some very real stuff about how he butted heads with players or did not really vibe with that locker room. Um, or I guess it would kind of go either way, but you know, the other way where the locker room didn't really vibe with him. He and Luca clearly didn't have a great relationship based on reporting. Um, in terms of what he actually did on court, I think he's been a little bit unfairly judged just given how poor Detroit, not Detroit, geez, oh my god, uh, given how poor Dallas's team building has been <laughs> yeah. since their title run. Um, it just to me, like I've always felt like Dallas just kind of mailed it in a little bit. They, uh, you know, they, they they did not really optimize the end of Dirk's career. Uh, and that extended into them. You know, you have the, the Harrison Barnes years where they, they pay for Harrison. And I, I honestly, because I'm, I'm a little bit weird, I loved watching Harrison Barnes in Dallas, even though those teams were terrible. You have like the weird debacle with, with DeAndre Jordan. Um, they've just been like really odd in how they've constructed things. And I think that they've bungled a lot of things. And then they luck into getting Luka Doncic. Uh so it totally expedites things and changes trajectories. But, um, you know, I think you look at the playoffs the last couple of years and they don't win some of those games without, without how Rick handles personnel decisions. But also mm-hmm. a lot of it's just Luka himself being awesome. Um, but given where the Pacers are coming from with having probably the worst coach in the league last year um, and just a ton of really nasty dysfunction going on in the background that that people weren't necessarily aware of, mm-hmm. um, I mean, just based off that, I, th- th- this team should be better this year by a solid margin. And I expect them to make the play in at the least. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought of Rick Carlisle as kind of an underrated coach. I mean, I, he does get his praise, but, you know, he's just such an offensively skilled coach. Um, he's really good with X's and O's. Um, but like you said, the player kind of, management aspect of it and his relationships with players has been kind of um george carl esque <laughs> not quite to that yeah extreme. hopefully hopefully not as bad as that because that i i cannot stand george carl man yeah george carl is uh he's definitely an acquired taste for sure um mm-hmm. but you know i'm excited for for the pacers this year i think that you know carlisle is going to do some fun things with that offense um anywhere like you said anywhere to go, but up, you know, based on the uh, coaching situation last year. Um, what are some of your things that you're most excited about with the Pacers this year? Just uh, the rookies or, you know, the new coaching or anything else? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I think selfishly, I'm very uh, interested and excited to see what happens with the Sabonis-Turner pairing because mm-hmm. I do think this is the year that it finally comes to a head and the organization makes a decision. Yeah. Uh, because based on everything that they've said and, and has come out from them, they're still very unsure, and um, they, they just don't seem fully committed to the idea of starting both of them. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to because they're both starting level pay- players and they're going to be paid like it. Um, but they also just don't echo a lot of confidence with it. Like, even when Rick has been interviewed or um, when the GM or, or president of basketball ops has been interviewed, like, they've talked about how, it is kind of a wonky roster construction. And even though, yes, that's true. Like if you're a public facing person with the team, you can't echo sentiments like that. In my opinion, like I understand to an extent being honest um, about how you feel about things, but also if you say stuff like that publicly, a that rubs guys the wrong way, B that just doesn't show any real confidence in your team and where they're headed and C, like, I mean, that, that definitely uh, has an impact on on trade value for sure when when looking at things like I think if uh, like I really was hoping with Rick coming in that they would pick a direction and go and instead they're kind of coming into the year going like you know we have like like they've openly said you know this this is the roster we're coming into the season with but things could change throughout the year and mm-hmm. um, you know we're gonna try and see how we can make things work and I just don't really like going into a year like that especially this is you know the third straight year that they've done that and they're, they're banking a lot on, on, on health and consistency. 
And that's already been an issue with Karis LeVert is slated to miss at least the first four games with a stretch fraction is back. TJ Warren is, uh, they're hoping not going to miss a month, uh, but he's at least going to be out a couple more weeks still. Um, I think his mm-hmm. next scan on his foot is in two or three weeks. Um, but in terms of what I'm – yeah, so, so you know, finding the direction of the team, that's what I'm interested to see because this team has felt a little bit um, too indecisive in where they want to go. Like they, it's felt like they're trying to, to go in two or three different directions and it just is not working. Um yeah, it feels like we've been asking the the Turner or Sabonis or Turner and Sabonis question for a long time, and I think the unfortunate thing about it is the Pacers just has haven't been really healthy enough to determine that question. Like like you said, you've got all these injury riddled guys, and you know Malcolm Brogdon's probably due to miss at least a month of the season. You can pretty much book mm-hmm. that almost every year based on his foot or his back or, you know, whatever else he's dealing with. It always seems like he's missing a large chunk of the season. So it's just, it's tough. Um, You know, as a basketball player, I prefer Sabonis more. I just think I like his game a lot, but he's also harder to build around, I think, in a, you know, traditional sense in the NBA, or at least what's, um, what, what the, thought processes with the modern NBA. Um, but, you know, so there's a lot of questions, I think, heading into this season that are need going to need to finally be addressed at some point. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Yeah, most definitely, man. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Chris uh, Duarte so far? Uh, Chris Duarte has been awesome to watch. Um, a lot got made out of, obviously, him being old. Um, mm-hmm. When he was drafted, he was 24 when he was drafted. Um, but he can just flat out play. Like he is a a positive player on both ends. Uh, I think what what struck me the most about him watching him at summer league when I was in Vegas is, um, you know, his athleticism pops on court a lot more than I think it did for me in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it maybe it's a little bit biased. Maybe it's more just like I wasn't expecting him to look the the level of athlete he does um, against NBA competition. Um, that's been really interesting. Like with, with defense, he's, he makes really fantastic plays. His ground coverage is very good. Um, he has some work to do on closeouts, but the, I mean, he, he makes legitimately impactful uh, rim rotations, uh, mm-hmm. which you don't expect from a six, six guard uh, very often. You know, so he had a chase down block in the, yeah, yes, that was awesome. Um, he was, I mean, honestly, he was one of the four or five best players at summer league if we're being completely honest. Um, and that doesn't always translate to the NBA, you know, but uh, he's looked good, man. Uh, he's done a lot more with the ball in his hands and is a decision maker than I was expecting. And it's looked solid. Like there's been real positive signs, especially in the last two preseason games. I think you saw a lot with him uh, running pick and roll and, and doing things off the second side and making good reads. Mm-hmm. Um, that's encouraging to me. Like I, I, I think he'll factor in from day one as, as a really quality off ball scorer, shooter um, and, and, you know, just a guy who kind of fits in defensively. Um, but I also think the team kind of sees a little bit more upside with him as a ball handler, uh, mm-hmm. and they've tried to experiment with that. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they uh, try and work with that during the year. Because, again, that's another thing that always comes up with Indiana. Like, how do you balance uh, developing a first-round pick to their, to their ultimate value when – you're still trying to be a playoff team. And I think that's right. something that they really struggled with recently, as we've seen with Aaron Holiday. Part of that is Aaron just never really found consistency, but also Indiana just never put him in a consistent role. Like he was always asked to change things up because of injuries. And, um, you know, he had, he'd go 10 games as a starter, 10 games as with the bench, and then 10 games like he's not even playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see stuff like that. Like you, you look at Gogo Batadze this year, he's the guy who I think, frankly, the Pacers need to trade. Uh, because he's established himself as too good to play in the G League. But because you have Turner and Sabonis, he's just not going to play most nights. And right. we, we, I mean, we could even talk about Isaiah Jackson, too. Like, he went from a guy who the team talked about coming into the year um, or coming out of the draft as somebody who they viewed as a long-term uh, prospect for them who would eventually play the four, but they wanted to see play in Fort Wayne for a while with the G League team. Mm-hmm. And then he was – um, you know, I'm not sure what changed for them because they, they said that after the draft and after summer league, even though he had an amazing summer league, um, 
and they 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 came into this year uh, just before preseason and mentioned on me on media day that they view him contributing right away, which was surprising to me. And we saw that in preseason, like he was playing over um, over Tory Craig, over O'Shea Brissett, who had a fantastic back half of last year after coming up from Fort Wayne. So, um, yeah, I finding the way that they balance those things is going to be really intriguing to me. They're just an, they're an odd team, man. Like I, yeah. it, for as uh, as as little coverage as they get nationally, they just have a lot of storylines going on that kind of persist. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have talent. And I just am very interested to see how it how it plays out because right now it's I could see the season going six different ways for them uh, and uh, they just have a lot of good basketball players. Um, they really and, do, and a couple of very good ones. Um, obviously, you know T.J. Warren. I think just to answer your question in a more roundabout way, what I most look forward to is just seeing T.J. Warren back on court. Like he's mm-hmm. one of my favorite players in the NBA to watch, partially because yeah, I watch every single one of his games, but. Um, He's just a very fun player who's kind of unheralded. Um, like that bubble run from him was absolutely awesome. Uh, and he's a really yeah. nice guy too, from everything I know, just very quiet. Um, but he hasn't played basketball in over a year and a half now. Like he hasn't actually played in a game since I think, um, or I guess it's been just about a year. But he, uh, yeah, December of last year was the last time he played a game. So it's been, uh, wow. it's been a minute uh, and I'm excited to see him back on court. Yeah, no, I, I like I like TJ Warren too. He, he's a fun player. I, I just think the main issue with the Pacers, and it's been the case for a couple years now, is just the large amount of secondary creators without having that true, I don't know, just primary guy that can consistently attack. You know, you know, you got Brogdon, you've got uh, uh, Warren, and you have. Uh, you know, you have a couple of talented centers, but it's just like yeah, Karis now too makes things Karis Silver, yeah, here exactly. Um, so it's just it's so many mouths to feed, and yet not that true number one perimeter creator scorer type player. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Hopefully, cross your fingers that the all these guys remain relatively healthy this year, and you finally can actually at least get some definitive look at what this team is, you know? Yeah. Um, let's uh, move on. Uh, before we wrap up the show, do a couple um, couple predictions, couple speculations about the upcoming season. Um, do you have a team that is kind of set for being the biggest surprise this year? Or uh, if you have a team that you think is being a little bit overrated, might be a disappointment. Oh wow! Um, so teams that'll surprise this year. Um, let me think. I think the Cavs could sneakily get into the. Well, what's your definition of surprise? Like playing? I, th- I think they could sneakily get in the play-in. Maybe end up as a low seed if they. I, th- I think they could perform well enough in the play-in to possibly take one away from one of those teams. Yeah, I I think that's possible. I wouldn't be shocked. Like my range of outcomes for them would probably be like the nine seed to um, like 12 or 13. Yeah. I think they'll be good this year, man. Like we saw how good Evan Mobley was. Uh, Like we already knew coming in, if you watch draft stuff, how good he was. But I Mm -hmm. think seeing how well he translated on court already. I'm excited um, about him. I I mean, I, I think they'll be a solid team. I, again, I think it's a lot of with the East. Okay. What is health like? How do things shake out with that? Right. Um, because of how, like, yeah, this is the deepest the East has been in like our lifetimes. It feels like since, yeah. uh, shoot, since like two thousand. I mean, pre LeBron, it's got to be the deepest the East has been, at least I that I can so. remember. Because it's as, been as far forever. as like the number of murky teams that could be in the play-in or low seed conversation for yeah. sure, and you know, even the top end talent is better than it's been. In a while, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen that the last couple of years too. The East has been a little bit more deep towards the top than it was prior years, but yeah. um, definitely excited. So, w- what about you? What's what's one of your teams? I think the team I would throw out are the Wizards. Actually, um, I think they've been kind of overlooked in some ways. Uh, you know, they're that I'm, I'm writing something on them right now uh, mm-hmm. for hopefully before the season starts or just just after it does. Um, you just look top to bottom 
Like I think a, they're very ripe for a consolidation trade. They have, it feels like a third of all combo forwards in the league. Um, <laughs> like they have Kyle Kuzma, Rui Hachimura, Denny Avdia, um, uh, Davis Bertans, mm-hmm. uh, Corey Kispert. Like there are just a lot of guys who, who can play the forward position. And I don't know how they all find court time together because I mean, Corey Kispert it was not drafted to play in the G League. So mm-hmm. I, I don't like, again, that's like six or seven guys who, uh, and you have Anthony Gill as a backup too, like a, who played solidly in the NBA last year. Um, I actually have really liked the way that Tommy Shepard has kind of wrought the ship after how, um, you know, a lot of people, just a, another quick aside, like a lot of people will look at, at Washington and be like, ah, oh, well, you know, they're just kind of a middling team. What has Tommy Shepard done since he's been there? Um, I haven't loved every single move he's done, but I think every move has been for a real purpose and reason. And like um, Ernie Grunfeld totally ran that franchise into the ground and and trying to make something out of it has not been easy. Um, I think on balance, this team could be better than last year's Washington team. Like maybe, uh, you know, Russ was awesome on the back end of last year, but the first 30 games were really rough from him playing with that torn hamstring. Yeah. Yeah. and I think a lot like, you know, that's been lost on some people with how bad Washington was to start the year. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie's looked good, man. Like he looked really good in preseason. I think that, you know, in terms of consistency, what you're getting on both ends, like he's not a great defender, but I think he's more often a, a good defender than, than, than Russ, which is not always saying a lot, but um, yeah, even if he's not bringing quite as much, uh, or I should say the same offensively, I think he's bringing a lot that's going to be valuable for the Wizards. And they just have a lot of good basketball players. Like I like bringing in Kentavious Caldwell Pope and Montrez Harrell and and Kyle Kuzma. Like those are all quality rotation guys. I think, I mean, KCP probably will start for them. Yeah. I imagine he does. He's probably their best wing defender. Kuzma's right up there too. And they they just have a lot of interesting young guys too. Like Denny missed a solid part of his rookie year, but I still thought he was decent. Uh, Rui Hachimura is like a real swing guy. You never like I, I thought he took a step last year, but he's still. Like I think this is the year when he becomes a an a, a quality NBA starter, or at least that's mm-hmm. the hope. Like I think that's the real swing for um, how the season goes for for Washington. But then I mean, I, again, everything rests on Bradley Beal. Like, um, is he able to put forward the the kind of season that they need? Um, like we know what he brings offensively. Can he get any better defensively? He came out and he said he wanted to be all defense this year. Doesn't necessarily work like that. Um, I mean, there have been times where he's been a solid defender earlier on in his career, but also the usage is very high for him. And I, I just don't know if we're ever going to get a good defensive performance from him if he's playing um, the current brand of basketball that he has been. But, I mean, they're just a very odd team that I, I don't think a lot of people have talked about as much. So I'm hoping to, to do a good job with them in writing. But um, they're fun, man. I'm really interested to watch them. Uh, I just don't need to hear Brad talk about the vaccine ever again. So. I know, right? Which that just is another side. Like that's that was really disappointing to see. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was rough. I think that's that's been worse than than anything Kyrie's put out in some regards. We don't have to hit on it. So yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting with. I, I guess they're starting Gafford at center. Yes, no. and I like Gafford um, a lot. He I do, was I do too. He's kind he of a guy awesome. who can only like play in stints though, right? He he had some conditioning struggles uh with was he with the team last year too? Yeah, so he got Bulls. traded to them from Chicago um, in the middle of the season. And That's you're it. right. He he kind of played as like a a super sub in some ways. Like they yeah. they would start Alex Len and then bring in Gafford off the bench and he would just kind of try and demolish benches. Um he really figured things out defensively in a way that he hadn't in Chicago. Like we knew he could protect the rim and and block Mm -hmm. shots, but um, he got a little bit better mobility wise. I think like you mentioned, the big thing thing is just going to be seeing, can he play closer to starter minutes or can he play like he, I mean, he averaged 18 minutes per game with the wizards last year. Can he get closer to 22 or 23 or 25? Like, especially with Thomas Bryant missing the first month or two of the season. Um, I That's the other interesting thing. But it's interesting too because you bring in like you have another like it, a lot of people are down on Montrose Harrell and I get it, but he was still good with the Lakers last year, um, especially as a regular season player. He's a guy who I think is really valuable and important for for rank for racking up wins. Like if you're getting forty minutes a night from from Montrez and and Gafford combined, like that's 
okay, that's 40 minutes of positive play at the five spot. And, and you need that. You need positive minutes. Like, I think this team, what's interesting to me about them is that you get, um, like, to like I, I think a good way of looking at it is looking at how Atlanta was last year. Like, once they made the Lou Will trade, and obviously they had um, they had Nate McMillan at the helm, they just never really had a weak spot throughout the minutes rotation. Like, uh, they struggled in the playoffs whenever Trey was off the court. But during the regular season, they were able to just kind of um, rough teams up because – they never really had negative stretches of basketball. Like there are a lot of teams who just have backups that make it hard to play positive on-court minutes. Um, And I think you can look at the Wizards and say, hey, you know, like they have 12 to 13 rotation guys who are all going to play solid positive minutes for the team. And it's it could go a lot of ways. And I think it ultimately ends up being a trade, but um, they're going to be better than I think they're, they're, they're getting credit for initially coming into the year. Yeah. And they don't have Scott Brooks anymore, which really helps. Well, I definitely have them as like a, a play-in team for sure. I, I think mm-hmm. they're a candidate that could go, you know, seventh or eighth seed, depending on how things shake out. So I wouldn't, you know, I, I'm not surprised by that. What, what is your ceiling for the Wizards? What do you think, like, what would be surprising for you? that? Uh, I think surprising would be if they get anything above the sixth seed. Mm-hmm. Um like I would be a little bit surprised if they got the six seed, but also I don't I don't think I would be that shocked just given how things could could work out. You know, like all right, let's say Kemba really struggles with health in New York, and I don't really believe Julius Randle is going to regress. Like people are thinking, like maybe some of the shooting numbers dip, but I mean that was a for real season from him. Um, no, he and like it's kind of the seasons that he had played before. He just wasn't playing that minutes load, but he was. Yeah. Those were basically his per 36 numbers so he just extrapolated that to starters or not starters but like a full season playing mm-hmm. those type of minutes so i think he's definitely got the capability it was a really rough playoff series for him and that was unfortunate because he had such a great year but um no I, I definitely don't really see a ton of aggression from him maybe i, I know there was some weird wonky like opponent shot the ball really poorly from three against the Knicks last year. And the Knicks also had some positive offensive three point numbers in there. Uh, um, kind of going in their favor. So I don't know if maybe those regress slightly back to the mean, and that could possibly make the Knicks a little lower win total than last year. But I, I still think they probably make the playoffs. Um, I don't know if, yeah, no, I agree for sure. Like, I think the Knicks are a playoff team. Obviously, Atlanta's not missing out unless something wild happens. Right. Um, like, I I would have Atlanta as probably the third best regular season team in the East. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, wouldn't I think, be surprised if they, like, Yeah, even if they could shake something. out higher, like, you yeah. know, given how things work. Um, I'm just not as high on Miami as everyone else is. Like, I, I guess, you know, you can I think they're more say, of a playoff built team. Yeah, I don't necessarily buy Miami as a – as a, as a top-notch title contender. Um, like, I think that they're good, not great, and mm-hmm. they're a team that's looking to make moves this year for sure. Um, like, they're, they're definitely going to be good, but I just think in terms of regular season depth and what they, they need to be a really good regular season team, I don't really see it. Right. Um, like, I think they'll be a top-six seed, but again, you know, you never know how things work out. I do not buy Toronto as a playoff team. Um, crazier things have happened. Like, I think my ceiling for them is, like, they could make the play-in, and okay, mm-hmm. Um, but their half court offense is going to be so rough, man. Um, yeah, especially the the direction they went on draft night. Um, definitely limited their half court. Off- I mean, it, Scotty Barnes is really great on defense, but he's not really that level of offensive player yet. Um, so I just think I, I agree, but I, I do think stranger things have happened. Like, yeah, Toronto definitely, definitely like- could be a decent. Uh, regular season team this year and last year you know playing no home games you know mm-hmm. their record has got to at least improve a little bit from that um i think they they definitely have talented players on their roster but like you said it's just it's that half court offense that's going to be a huge struggle for them all year yeah most definitely um but i and again i still think they'll be good but it's just like Okay, well, the entire East got better, so I, I can't just be like, okay, well, you guys got, you guys are going to be solid this year, but okay, so was, so are twelve or thirteen teams in the East. Like, I, I don't know how to view it necessarily. Um, yeah. As much work as I've put into trying to understand where, 
I am at and where all these teams are at um, coming into the year. I still feel like I don't have a great grasp on it in some ways, but um, I think that's part of what makes me so excited for this year. Oh yeah. There's a ton of, there's going to be a ton of fun teams. The bulls are going to be a really fun team, even if they're not probably going to be as good of a record as people think with all those new acquisitions and stuff. I, I don't really see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they'll probably be a play in team, but I think some people are projecting a, bigger leap from them this year just off having DeRozan and mixing him in with Levine now and Lonzo Ball Um, I think it's gonna be a super fun team to watch I'm excited to check that out and they've already kind of popped in the preseason a little bit but um, they're they're another team that I think could be really fun to watch this year Um, before we wrap up the show though let's um, do you have a title prediction or two teams that you think are going to be in the finals this year? Uh, I know this is tough for you because I'm a, I know you're a Bucks fan. <laughs> uh, I mean, first thing I would say just that I'm, I'm notoriously, I, I hedge everything that I say, cause I try and be fair to every team <laughs> almost to a fault. Um, I do think it's going to be Brooklyn in the finals mm-hmm. because they're that good. They're that deep. They got that much better. Um, even without Kyrie, just being honest, like I think James Harden and Kevin Durant are two of the five best players in basketball. So, um, you know, you just can't really replicate that to some degree. I think they're deeper than Milwaukee. Um, so I, I mean, I think Brooklyn's going to have the best regular season in the NBA. Um, so I would pick them to make the finals, but I also think like Milwaukee got better too. I was fine with letting PJ Tucker go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think older. I don't like saying guys are overrated, but I just like, I, I don't. Shemi Ojale does like 90% of what PJ Tucker does. Um, and I liked getting, and again, that's not saying like he's as good as PJ Tucker, of course. Like I think PJ Tucker's highs are, are really good, but I think a lot of people just kind of erase the fact that PJ Tucker was a complete negative on offense mm-hmm. all of last year. From Milwaukee and especially in the playoffs, like Phoenix just pretended he didn't exist. Yeah. Um, I mean, Giannis was just that good, but also like looking at Giannis, like what he's looked like in the preseason, holy shit. Um <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, he really just had things click for him in a way that not that they hadn't before, but in a new way. Like, like we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh not yesterday, just uh this last off like during the during the playoffs, I think you and I talked about this, like mm-hmm. I mean, he just has, has had things slow down for him in the half court, like posting and reposting, finding ways to to kind of get himself better situated in isolation. Um, I think Bud did better, better stuff to get him going off ball before he gets to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, this team's just good. Like you can, you can count on like, okay, maybe Rodney Hood hits. I think that was a, a solid signing and you hope that, you know, having another off season to get ready and get right coming off of that Achilles injury and he'll be even better. Um, I love the Grayson Allen trade. I think this team really was missing kind of a really consistent eighth, ninth man last year. And Grayson Allen brings that like they needed another ball handler. Yeah, I could hit shots and he plays quality defense. Um, I, I I mean, the Bucks got better, man. So I, I buy them as like the clear cut number two in terms of title contention in the East. And I would say they're probably the second best team in the NBA right now. I mean, it means pretty clearly Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. I would not take any teams in the NBA over them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I agree with you. I think that Brooklyn on paper and, you know, if everything goes right for them, they are the clear best team overall, um, from a roster perspective. Uh, I do think there's a lot of things that could go wrong for Brooklyn again Definitely. this year. So, um, I have the books surprise, surprise as the team coming out of the East again this year. Um, just because of that stability, you know, they have a team that's a core that's been together for a long time. And that helps, I think in a lot of ways, they have the playoff experience now to kind of be more equipped for those trials and tribulations that might come. Um, whereas, you know, Brooklyn is a super talented team, but can you rely on the health of Kevin Durant always? Can you rely on the health and, you know, headspace of Kyrie Irving is he going to be back there I think they're good enough without him like you said but you know there's a lot hinging on James Harden then as well and he's never been the most consistent playoff performer either so 
for those reasons, that's why I would kind of put Milwaukee a little bit ahead of them. I think Milwaukee's a way better defensive team too. And, um, you know, like you said, they've made some additions that could make them more consistent on offense in the playoffs, um, a little bit better there. So I have the Milwaukee Bucks coming out of the East. Um, I think the Clippers might be the team that I would pick to come out of the West this year. What about you? Um, I'm down on the Clippers, man, with, with Kawhi being out. Um, I think I would probably lean into Phoenix again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't Kawhi really, should be back, right? He should be back by the playoffs. I think Kawhi wants to be back. Like, he came out and talked about, like, wanting to come back this year. I would change my answer then if that's not the case. I, I was under the impression that he was going to be kind of back for that for the playoff stretch. Yeah, like, he should be back for the playoffs, but I'm just curious. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that they won't even be a, a you know, home court advantage team in the playoffs. Um, I mean, I – gosh – it's hard. I don't really know that I believe in the in the Jazz until I no. see them make a change. Like I, I liked their the off court additions. I, I I loved adding Rudy Gay, mm-hmm. but they still have the same problems as last year. Right. Um, so I don't really know that I buy them as a as a true title contender this year or in terms of getting farther. Um, Suns could be interesting. Suns would be another one of my favorites. I would yeah, say. and the Suns seem like pretty ripe to make a move too. Like they had poked around about Thad Young, and I think if if let's let's put it like this: if the if the Suns traded like Dario Sharch and picks and and cap filler for Thad Young, they would be my 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 title favorite out of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, like that that would be the deeper team. I mean, the deepest team in my opinion. Like I like their additional Andrew Shamit. Like they've done a lot of things that I like. Um, the Lakers, they're a team. I just kind of need to wait and see. I'm higher on, on the Russ edition than I think most, um, more because, um, you look at how terrible the Lakers have been when LeBron sits, even with AD on the court. And I think they're just going to do a lot of staggering with, with Russ and, and LeBron that I I'm think sure is they will. very necessary for him in terms of taking some of the load off. They really just lacked any secondary creation last year, um, and the year prior. And I think adding Russ and, and Malik Monk and, um, uh, you know, hopefully Taylor Horton Tucker when he comes back from injury because he injured his finger. Um, you know, they, they just have a lot of guys who I trust to, to attack closeouts and do a lot of positive things driving to the to the rim. I guess shooting is definitely a concern. I'm not sure what the defense is going to look like. But, again, a lot of that is just, like, hypothetical, and I need to see it play out. They're going to be good. I don't know how good. Um, Denver is up there. Like, there's just so much going on. But I think my pick would probably be Phoenix uh, just coming in. Yeah, that's a solid pick. So another a rematch, rematch or match Phoenix Milwaukee in the finals once again. How about that? <laughs> unless it's uh, unless it's Brooklyn, but yeah, unless, unless it's Brooklyn, uh, I wouldn't mind that rematch. That's for sure. But I also wouldn't mind seeing uh, seeing LeBron go up against Giannis. That'd be pretty fun. Or LeBron against awesome. Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden. I mean, regardless of what you get, you're gonna get a fantastic matchup that's the state of the nba right now uh but as for our show that uh pretty much wraps it up uh appreciate you coming on mark where can people find your stuff yeah thanks stuff for having me ben i apologize it was super long-winded today i took a nap right before we got on here because i've been like absolutely jet lagged even though i didn't travel by plane uh, i was coming back from toronto this not toronto geez i'm so out of it coming back from niagara falls after seeing my girlfriend who's canadian Cool. Um, so I am like totally out of it today. So I apologize again for some long rants, but no I appreciate you having me on, man. This is an absolute blast. I always enjoy getting to talk. Um, you can find me on Twitter at M Schindler MBA. Uh, all my work gets put, put up there. Um, I just did my first like kind of professional freelance piece, uh, over at the analyst on the Brooklyn Nets front court, uh, depth and additions and looking at how they're all utilized or could be utilized and why, uh, you know why I'm 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 higher on Brooklyn uh, because of their depth and what it does, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, uh, you can find just any any of my stuff's going to be up at Twitter, and I, I do things pretty much all over the place, and uh, we'll be doing that for the coming future. So yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, appreciate you coming on. Uh, as always, you can find us at Backseat Jam Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also find our stuff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Tune in radio and iHeartRadio. Um, until next time, Mark, uh, thanks for coming on again. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. All right, talk to you later. <laughs>